Please insert additional coin. It's Gakesy Lee. You honor me with your presence, Crispy Lee. How can one so tiny hurt so much? Brad Ziegler. He's usually stronger than the average and has a friendly attitude. It's Sports Unseal. We will not back down. Game on, everybody! I, I figured I'd do it again this week. It is Sports Unseal. Jake Seeley, Chris Meany, Brad Ziegler. Uh, we are buddies, we are guys, we are friends of each other. Make sure you're checking out all the rest of our friends and buddies and guys on the podcast network, bottom left-hand corner of your app, top right-hand corner of the website. Football is coming very, 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 very soon. I think it's like next week or the week after that. There's more coming. So we're talking football. There's going to be more football talking. Make sure you're following Chris Meany at Chris Meany, Brad Ziegler at Brad Ziegler, and you know I'm at All In Kid. Oh, that, that sounds kind of conceited, didn't it? You know I'm at, like, you know I'm at All In Kid. You know me. Despite the fact I went through, I don't know if you guys saw that, I spent a good hour, actually an hour and a half yesterday, having to go through and re-add everybody. I don't know if you got the notification. I now follow you guys um, because I woke up yesterday to following zero people. All my all my people followed. We're gone. I loved, uh, who was it that said it was a weird flex by you? I thought that was a good, oh, there was, <laughs> a good joke. <laughs> there was actually like two or three people that went that route where it was like, hmm, that's an interesting way to like, reduce the people you're following and make it sound like I'm like like trust me if that were the case the number would be more like 200 not 300 uh, I and by the way I actually think that's a pretty good number I, re- I remember 306 out of the 306 or 308 out of the 360 people I was following is 80 85 percent I think that's a really good hit rate wow that is pretty good and how does that happen like, I don't know apparently it's pretty common I had a couple people tweet me saying it happened I searched online apparently like this has happened it goes back to like 2015 of people having this happen to them Chris, I don't know about you, but I, I just feel glad to have been refollowed. Um, <laughs> we, we got a guy who has a podcast named after him, and and I, I just feel honored to to be among the, the 306 followers. So that's what I was going to say. Like, oh, you know me, all in kid. Like, yeah, we do know you all in kid. I mean, the show that you're listening to is basically named after you. <laughs> uh, yeah, Actually, two funny. different people, Mike Wright and Mike Clay, both texted me and said, oh, it's so awesome. I've been waiting for you to follow me. <laughs> I guess yeah. I got the notifications. I did get one from you as well, and that's why I was confused because I hadn't seen you tweet about it. I didn't. I didn't know what was really going on. I was like, Jake followed me. I mean, maybe this guy hasn't followed me all along. I thought he did, and then I checked <laughs> checked your timeline, and I was like, oh, he's going through some stuff. So, by the way, real quick, we're going to move on from this because this isn't relevant for anybody. It just maybe entertaining. But some out of the three hundred and six people I remembered, it was actually technically three hundred and seven because one person, I guess was so upset within that three-hour window that they unfollowed me back. <laughs> They're I, keeping, what, tabs on you if you would, like... I don't know. I oh. sent them I sent them a message which the, with the original tweet that had the screenshots of, like, I don't know what happened, now i got to spend all this time doing this, saying, you know, I hadn't gotten to you yet. I mean, it, like I said, it took an hour and a half. I, I yeah. took breaks and kept working in between because it was just... It's mind-numbingly to look up... Every, like, I had to type in... Chris Meany on the search bar and go to him, like, and then Brad Ziegler. And then, like, so, by the way, I searched Chris first. But anyway, like, to go to. <laughs> Shocker. Like, I, yeah. So I hadn't gotten to that person yet. Like, it, that's whatever. So I guess, yeah, I guess somebody is you, keeping tabs. I saw you, like, you searched David Ghanas. Didn't you search Ghanas and you already, it said you were already following him? Oh, no, that was everybody. So everybody oh, so I searched. Everyone. Yeah, Weird. even though I had to refollow you, Chris, and Brad, and, like, everybody, it already said. Like when you did it in the drop down search bar and it says you're following each other, it said it for everybody. Oh, wow. Weird. Yeah, so I have no idea what's going on. But anyway, I do have to rant about one more thing real quick. Uh, Brad, I think you'll appreciate this. I I mean, I don't know how much you hate this team, but I now officially hope the Dodgers do make the World Series, lose again, (laughs) lose in game seven, (laughs) lose with Kenley Jansen on the mound blowing the game because I had an 18-game win streak on – Streak for the cash on ESPN, and it got blown last night because I picked the friggin' Dodgers, who came back after a rain delay to take the lead and then still blew it anyway, Brad. So I don't know how much you hate the Dodgers, but I'm pretty sure now, like because we're talking about $35,000 on the line here, 
I, I, I hate the Dodgers. I hope they like I they surpass the Braves. I, I used to be a Mets fan. I hate the Braves more than anybody. It's now the Dodgers and especially Kenley Jansen. So I, I whenever I entered free agency, I we had had so many bitter rival type games with the Dodgers in Arizona that my like my agent had me list out all 30 teams and the order I would want to play for them. And the Dodgers were literally number 29. Literally. <laughs> like I was just like, I don't want to go there. Like right by I Toronto. <clears throat> Yeah, Toronto was 30. Yeah, so, um, but that, that again, nothing to do with the city of Toronto. I like the city. It was just the idea of going I'm to Canada all the time. But it was just, it was just the, like, I, I was like, I can't imagine after all the, the rival type games that we've had with them, I can't imagine going and putting that uniform on by choice. Um, and, and what was funny was they were actually one of the, the three or four teams that had, had the most interest in me um, and were in constant contact with my agent. I was just sitting there like, please, someone, someone else come in and, and make something, make it to where I actually, you know, at least have another option here. So, <laughs> and, and fortunately, I had a, had a couple that I liked better Good. than them. Good. This is a, this is a hate-filled Dodgers podcast forever yeah i was on the dodgers last night too so they burned me as well and the red sox andrew Kashner. we talked about him just briefly last night like the red sox got to do more besides get andrew Kashner if they want to really try to repeat but you know brad you i thought about this because you brought it up like quick sidebar in sports and just you know getting traded to maybe your your rival and and how that feels and I know you're a big hockey guy, so years ago, like Josh Georges is nobody. Even if you're a random hockey fan, you probably don't even know the name. He's a defenseman for the Montreal Canadiens back in the day, and he was he like they told him you're traded to Toronto, but you have a no trade clause. Like you can say no if you want. He said, "Hell no, I can't play for that team." Like I grew up hating that team over the past few years. Like that's the biggest rivalry. He said no, and then he regretted it a little bit later on. Would you have regretted it if the Dodgers went on and won a World Series and you had said no? Uh. No, I don't think so. Like, I, <laughs> and winning a ring would have been the nice. But it, like, yeah, that, I mean, for for literally a full season, that would have been a challenge. Like, I, I will say this: at some point, you probably get over it. But it, the initial, especially like if I sign in December and I've got three months of lead up, you know, to to the season or whatever, it would be really tough to to get over that mental hurdle and and then go there and have all these people who used to curse at me when I was warming up in the bullpen now they're cheering for me. Like that's weird. Like, I, I no, thank you. Oh, uh, well, I mean, I, I, it's funny that you say that, too, because I think it's a little less nowadays than it was. Like, you remember when first the Johnny Damon thing happened? Remember how yeah. huge of it? Like, like, people were losing their mind. And, of course, tweeting out traitor, spelling it T-R-A-D-E-R <laughs> instead of I-T-O-R. Yeah. But, uh, like, that, I mean, at the time, like, and I know it's only, like, 10 years or so, but that was so much of a bigger deal where now, I mean, there, there's very few where you people feel like you do, Brad. Like, they, you hear... There's a few, I think mostly in hockey from what I've seen. Like, I don't, you don't really hear many no, no. trade lists anymore. They're, no, they're very you don't. few and far between. Yeah, we had that conversation before about giving them out. Like, I understood Brad's point of view, like wanting them, of course, for your family, but I don't fully get it at all from the GM standpoint. Like, you're just strapping yourself and you're, you're really kind of screwing yourself if you want to trade this guy later on down the road. Like, the Penguins, again, another hockey thing. They just finally traded Kessel, but they've been trying to trade him for years, and he's just like, nope. No, no. And they put him in a bad spot. So uh, very interesting. And that Damon thing, that was crazy. I, I totally forgot about that. And Yankees fans must have been pretty upset for a while. I mean, he went and had that big grand slam in game seven, came back and the Yankees ended up winning the World Series. That was that was crazy. You, you normally, you're right. You, back in the day, you didn't really see that. I, I think now you see a Especially little bit more. Especially to like a rival as yeah, much as that. Like, like I that. mean. Yankees and, and Red Sox doesn't get much bigger than that. No, it doesn't. All right, so we're going to talk some football. Before we get into the rest of the AFC North, uh, I talked about it quickly on Monday. I said we we're going to talk about it a little bit today. Is the Scott Fishbowl. For everybody uh, that doesn't know, I'm assuming most people do at this point. But just in case, it's an industry league, but it's industry with fans. Like people out there, like if you're not in it and you want to be in it next year, there's a way to put your name in, and it's kind of like a raffle drawing for free spots that might open up. But it's by Scott Fish. That's why it's called Scott Fish Bowl. We're now in the ninth season. Like the majority of donations and money that they bring in goes to Fantasy Cares. They rent tens of thousands of dollars. Like great 
cause, great league. You know, just everybody you know, analyst-wise, is in it. All of us are in it. And then you get to interact with the fans. And it's a fun time. It's a really weird scoring setup. I mean, we're not going to go through, like, the draft strategies for that because there's really nothing out there that's going to help you guys. I mean, you get 50 points or five points when you get 50 yards. There's first down bonuses, which are more for tight ends. So it's, it's really insane. But the, the super flex, we could talk a little bit towards that. But I want to talk specifically about one thing because this is for everybody out there, it's, no matter what the league that you're in. And Brad's dealing with it. And it's something that I've griped on before. I've talked to Chris about it before. It's the people who, when you're doing a slow draft, and honestly, it's even a normal draft with like a 30, 60, 90 second clock. Actually, 30 is pretty short. But it's the people who take the entire clock, and especially in a slow draft. And Brad <laughs> is dealing with it more than anybody else because Brad is not just the guy you're dealing with is sitting there and every single time he pops up on the clock, waits the four, six, or eight hours or whatever it might be for your slow draft. He's on the turn. He's on the turn, but he 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 takes a while to make the first pick. So that uh, I'll give you the 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 most egregious example. We're at seventeen point twelve, so seventeenth round. It's not like there's not a whole lot of thinking at this point. It's kind of like you're just throwing darts. Um, so his first pick, he took a, a roughly three hours to make the pick, but it was it was at night. So he he made his first pick at one twelve a.m. Central Time on on the clock. Did not make the second pick at the turn until 11.37 the next morning. So he waited 10 and a half hours after the first pick at the turn to make the second pick. And so I was like, and this is the third time he's done it, but this was by far the most egregious. And so I said, I said on Twitter, I haven't said much on this, but now it's just absurd. You take time to get on and make one pick, but then you don't make your second pick at the turn. This is the third time you've done it. This is terrible draft etiquette. And he responds back, and this was, it blew my mind. He said, Hi, Brad. Sorry I have upset you. My small brain needed time to ponder this second pick. Maybe one day I will process information at light speed and will be capable of instantaneously making optimal selections. Unfortunately, that day is not today. So I respond back and said, like, I'm not expecting close to any light speed. I don't care about the 30 minutes between picks in a previous round, but 10 hours? Come on. Are you serious that you aren't physically capable of doing anything but a slow draft with clock shut off at night? And this guy, then I went and looked at his bio on Twitter. This guy, uh, his bio on Twitter says, fantasy football lead writer at rotoviz.com. And I respect Rotoviz. They've got a lot of stuff going over there that I really like. This is their <laughs> lead writer. his name without saying his name. I like it. <laughs> I mean, you can look at look at my, my Twitter replies and it's not hard to find. But like, if you, if, if you, like, you literally are the lead fantasy writer and you can't make a decision in 10 hours, like, and he picked Marquise Lee, like it. <laughs> Okay, fine. Like it's not, but it's not like you're at the at the turn at the first round and you're not going to pick for twenty picks. And it's like, wow, I really got to nail this one. It's it's in the seventeenth, eighteenth round. Like just make a pick, no, especially when you're already round. on. Hold yeah. on, Chris. You know the only thing that guy's response back to him was missing, uh, buddy. Buddy, yeah. <laughs> that's like, exactly what I thought like, of as well. I got I I don't know about you, Chris, but I. I got my blood started to boil just a little bit just hearing him read that because it's kind of, he was being such a smarmy you yeah, know what was. yeah just he, a yeah, little he was definitely yeah it was just uh, it was it was just it was such a troll response and I was like this it's almost like he's just kind of doing this on purpose and because there's no reason to to wait that long on the second pick like he no, knew he not- wanted Darwin Thompson Darwin Thompson he got on selected Darwin Thompson then he has to sleep on his next pick to take Marquise Lee and it was just like. Man, we're, there's, there are a lot of leagues that are done, and we're still hovering in the 19th round Whoa, now because hold, of this yeah, joker. So look, look, and I understand. And, Chris, this is so like let's talk draft etiquette 100% here because your standard draft with, like, say, the 60, 90-second clock, like, so, I can understand if you make your first turn pick really quick because you want extra time to think about that second pick. Like, maybe three names came off right before you went, and you weren't expecting all three to go. So you make that first pick so you can focus on thinking for the second one. So you're not taking the full clock for both. Like, whatever. Like I can understand it at times. You know, I, what it would frustrate me is if you took 90 seconds, 90 seconds every single turn. Like, I've actually seen that, and that's too much. Uh, like the second thing is, with these slow drafts, like, Chris, you know this, and Brad, that's what we're talking about with him, is, you know your pick is coming. You know your picker is coming for days like, or, or hours. or like You know it's coming. You can queue up a few guys, especially on my fantasy league. You can pre-draft guys, and you can pre-draft 
75 guys if you want. And I understand, okay, maybe a run happens and you just want to double check and make sure. No matter what, you can know, and you can know to the point where you don't have to do what Brad's saying. is like take the pick, leave, and come back hours later for your second pick. Like even if you have to think for five minutes, that's more than your standard draft. Like this is terrible, terrible, terrible draft etiquette, right? Yeah, oh, for sure. Absolutely. I, I just don't like his response. That's the biggest thing. I mean, you, you touched on it a little bit. His response to you, Brad, I thought was completely disrespectful, uh, childish, and you know, a little arrogant on his behalf. So I, I understand that this draft is very unique and it's tough, and you have to do a little bit of thinking. That's the reason there's a slow clock, but you want to be respectful. For me, at least... Like, I'm always thinking about other people. Like, I don't want people to wait. Like, if I'm lucky, I'm not on the turn. My draft's been done for three days, I think. Really? Yeah, it's just just completely flown by. It's been fine. And, you know, I I had to – I think somebody waited on me for, like, two hours, and I felt awful about it. But it was just, like, only two hours. That's a different beast. If you're on the end and you make a pick and then you wait another 12, 15 hours, it's just – it's disrespect to everybody else in the league. It's disrespect to, you know, even Scott Fish who has put this on and, and, and the way that he is an analyst in the industry and he's coming at you like that. So unfortunate. Yeah. I, I mean, the only piece of advice I could give is just kind of respect your others and, you know, you know kind of have a game plan going, especially if so, you're on the end, make the picks. Chris, you want to know? So in my Scott fishbowl, it, so it kicked off. What was it? 11 AM that Monday, July 8th. Yeah. And I had my physical therapy for the shoulder thing that happened to me. And I told him, I was like, you know, I have the six pick, just be prepared. It starts at 11. If, you know, the first five picks go bam, 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 you know, my first pick might not be for the first hour. And I hate that. But, you know, the first pick, I, I got to see what goes for the first five. You, you know, if Kelsey went four, that's kind of going to change a little bit what I did. I actually ended up taking Kelsey because David Johnson went five and those given this format. But anyway, point being, I pride myself in this, even with the first pick taking 27 minutes, Chris. Do you want to guess my average average and total wait time for people that have waited on me on my picks? Uh, 20 minutes? Well, That's pretty I, good. Well, well, 27 was the first pick, so it couldn't be 20. You could be quick the, the whole way. It is. Well, time. okay, yeah. To that point, you just like ruin that. Thanks, Chris. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's still 27 minutes because every single other pick was queued up in advance. Fair enough. So, yeah, so th- that, was, that was the point. Where do you get part- your average time at? I'd like to know. If, you, if you're on the draft page, if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, it says average time waiting for pick to be made. Okay. Average wait time is your average, like the, the wait time uh, you I created. You. It makes it sound like you say average time waiting for a pick makes it sound like the time you were waiting, but it's the time you took to make your pick. So for mine, I got one guy at an hour and 22 minutes and two hours and two minutes. Those are the two highest ones in a lot in the 20 to 30 minute range our draft still isn't done but you know even the hour and 22 i can understand because it's you know middle of the day you people yeah. work i mean you could again you can still queue up and that would be the thing to do but don't go the route of the person that's going in brad's league like i'm in another one it's the fantasy cares eliminator league which is 17 teams because every, somebody gets eliminated every single week so it's a long draft you can queue up a lot of people and have a lot in preparation where there's been some of those drafts that take like 10 hours. Like there's, there's no reason. Nobody works for 10 hours straight. that can't check in on their phone. I'm looking at some times here. Some pretty impressive times for some people less than a minute. That means they queued up every single. Yeah. They queued up everybody. Yeah. Yeah, And that's, that's the the thing. And the thing about my fantasy league is you can like, so say you don't know what position you're going to end up taking with your first one. And you can select a position uh, that I want to take a, a you know a tight end in the 17th round and a running back in the 18th round, and so then you can rank guys at those positions, and it will it will allow you to make sure that you don't end up accidentally taking two tight ends at the turn when you only want one. Yeah, see, it's, it's like, Just, there's no excuse. I I don't know. I I was hot yesterday, and I'm still hot about it. Well, so. can't that guy like uh, in the rules he could have missed a pick too, right? There's someone in my league that got skipped over. Like oh, was, I I was hoping. Well, <clears throat> I don't know that you get skipped. Oh, yeah, I, I no, yeah, you do get. They, you could, yeah. Do you? Okay, he, yeah. He, he, he treats it like the Vikings that one year. It's, yeah, if, that's if, right. if you're if you're now you can still make your pick afterwards. Yeah, but basically, if your timer expires, everybody else can start running to the podium. Yeah, yeah. That, okay, I, I'm in. I like okay. it, but I, he hasn't gotten that far. So, <laughs> which is crazy. 
Defender. It is crazy. I was actually annoyed. I'm in a CBS one this morning, and I'm kind of annoyed that Dave Richard made his pick at 7 a.m. There's no way to queue on the CBS one. Well, at least if there is, I didn't find it. Um, and I, you know, I didn't make my pick till 8 a.m. And I was kind of annoyed just making people wait an hour. Like I just, I know how it feels. And yes, yeah. it is July, but. No, like we had training camp. We're not holding this draft off through training camp. Nothing's going to happen today to breaking news unless Rob Gronkowski decides to unretire today. So he's already been picked to- in our draft. So yeah, oh, was, did he? He actually yeah, just he went was, in ours. He was picked yeah. in mine too. Where did he go in your guys? He had a forty percent chance of coming back yesterday, and then all of a sudden it was I like, oh, he's that. gone. Uh, he was tight end forty in ours twenty uh, first round. He was well. Good he was the flyer. last pick of the last pick of the twentieth round for him. Yeah, yeah uh, we had push. him in the 18th round, tight end 27. Yeah, okay. All right, well, speaking of tight ends, uh, there. look at the transition. We got a couple of interesting AFC North day. A couple of interesting tight end situations, and then we'll talk about the teams individually, kind of run through them. But I think that's a nice position to consider because you have three different scenarios here. Really, first, Chris, we have David Njoku, who we've seen the upside for. But there's a lot of projection, a lot of concern about the quote-unquote too many mouths to feed. You have Mark Andrews with all his upside projectability and the fact that the Ravens love tight ends. But this is also a completely different quarterback and offense now with Lamar Jackson. And then you have the ever hurt and ever injured and ever productive when he can be on the field, Tyler Eifert. Uh, we already talked about Vance McDonald on Monday. If, it, if you have interest in any of these guys, what's your varying level of interest on each one? Yeah, well, we already talked about McDonald. I like him the most. Uh, I have no problem with David Njoku. I understand there's only one ball and there's a lot of guys. But I think having Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry around in a strong run game could, you know, leave some soft throws, some opportunities, you know, soft coverage in the middle of the field for David Njoku. He may just be a guy that gets targeted in the red zone. He may be a guy that just gets five or six targets a game and, you know, half of them are in the red zone. And if he can get a touchdown here and there, I mean, what are we talking about? Maybe Eric Ebron. I don't know if he's going to get 14 touchdowns, but in that offense, he could get seven or eight. And if he gets seven or eight touchdowns from, you know, the landscape of this position, he could still finish as a, as a borderline tight end one. And that's kind of where he's going. So I don't mind spending a flyer on him in the ninth, 10th round. If it, if it gets there, uh, everybody else, I really just inside this division, I, you know, apart from Vance McDonald, I don't have any interest in Tyler Eifert. I won't go down that road again unless I'm playing in a best ball league or a deeper, deeper would format. Would you have taken him in Scott Fishbowl? <laughs> uh, yeah, I probably would have taken him in Scott Fishbowl. He was he was on my radar there. That's the type of draft that I'm talking about. Somebody, you know, a, a tight end mid-20s. I think he was tight end 25, 26. Like, at that point, that's a good flyer, especially in that setting, which, you know, gives a boost to tight ends. So I, I would do it there. But we know now... For years, everybody knows it's been playing fantasy football for just three years. Tyler Eifert is, when he's on the football field, he's one of the best. If you told me he was going to play 16 games this year, I think he'd be a, t- he'd be a bit tight end one for sure, especially in a team that's going to have to be throwing the football a lot to play from behind. But uh, no interest in a shallow, like, 12, 14-team league. No thanks. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm not. I'm off of Eifert. I haven't, I've drafted literally, like, 30, 35 best ball drafts, and even in a best ball, I haven't taken him. So, it's um I, I just don't I don't buy into that there um at the same time I really like Mark Andrews um I I think he he showed a lot last year and I you know there, there's progression there I thought he was better than than Hayden Hurst to begin with and I was kind of shocked that they they took Hurst first and then turned right back around and, and drafted him last year but <laughs> yeah we weren't um, talking at the time but I, I joked about that Brad I don't know if you did the same thing but I was like it's funny how they got the better tight end later in the draft yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and a lot younger too so he's um oh yeah you know, Hayden Hurst is like near retirement already <laughs> <laughs> right yeah he gets his his rookie deal and that's about it and then he's he's done so but yeah I I mean I I don't know I like it I like um and I think he showed a good connection with with Lamar Jackson last year, and he showed a lot of ability after the, after the catch. And um, that's something I think you're going to have to see a lot of in the Ravens' offense because I don't know that we trust Lamar Jackson throwing the ball way down the field. Um, so if he's going to be a you know a yardage guy, he's going to have to do it after the catch. And um, I I thought he showed a lot of promise last year. I do like Njoku. Um, I, I I am not a fan of where he's at in the pecking order there. I think he's probably fourth or or fifth in the the progression for the, for the most part there, because I like them, you know, at least at a minimum throwing the ball to Duke Johnson uh, ahead of him. Uh, maybe Nick Chubb in, you know, if he can, can take some steps forward with the, his receiving game. But um, I, I don't know. I, I, he's definitely a, a, you know, a big athletic target. I just don't know that he's, he's polished enough to be super productive this year. 
Well, let's stick with that team then real quick, and let's talk about the Brownies, and let's talk about how amazing they're going to be this year. But let's uh, talk about for fantasy purposes and not what Odell Beckham is wearing garbage bags or whatever the heck he puts on his chest. <laughs> Although, I don't know if you guys saw it. It was like somebody else was telling me I should go to the stand. Or who was the baseball player? Or was it a baseball or a basketball? Somebody went to a game. I think it was a baseball player, and he brought a sign that said, you blocked me on Twitter, and he actually printed out and supersized the block on Twitter and said, why did you block me? Did you guys see uh, yeah, that? Yeah, I did see that. I forget. Was it a baseball it player? I think so. Yeah, I forget who it was. Who was and somebody about, was like, "This is." Somebody tweeted me. It's like, "This is what you need to do, Jake. You need to go to a Browns game and tweet and print it out." And <laughs> like, "Why did you block me, Odell?" But in any case, let's. You know what? Let's talk about him real quick. It, everybody has him inside the top seven-ish. Like that's pretty much where he's like a lot of people I've seen take him as the third wide receiver off the board. I've seen people go Julio, Michael Thomas, you know, some of the safer ones, even Juju who we talked about the other day and then Odell, but he's in that mix. He's in that range of like, once you get past Hopkins and Adams, he's that next group, which is seemingly about six or so receivers. What are your thoughts, Brad, on Odell Beckham? Because we've seen the potential. We've seen the upside. We've seen him as the number one with very little competition around him. What, do you think it can carry over, or do you think – because in my opinion, I actually think the efficiency will be up, but I think that's because of Baker Mayfield with other options there also being his numbers will be very similar but more efficient, less targets because he's on a team with so many options. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think – and, in, you know – a lot of with him, it boils down to health. Like, is he going to be on the field for 16 games? Because the the years that he has, he's, you know, he's a top three receiver. Um, Who do you think is the bigger health concern, Julio or Odell Beckham? Uh, I mean, I'm not a, not a fan of the, the report coming out where Julio's kind of battling the foot thing now. I, although I don't know if that was just oh, an excuse for him to, to, to not be in OTAs. Like, just they might have just said, like, why isn't he practicing? Yeah. And it's like, uh -huh. ah, you know, he's got a foot thing. Um, so at the same time, I, I would, I, I think Julio is the better, the bigger health risk, but he's also the guy that I would re prefer to have. Um, I, I think, I think you're right in that Beckham's going to be a little more efficient, but the, the volume that he, I mean, he's, he's obviously the number one target there, but it's not the same volume that he had when they're going to be in New York playing from behind all the time, just chucking the ball like crazy. I, I actually think Jarvis Landry is going to have a better season this year than last year solely because he's not built to be a number one receiver. And now that Beckham's on the team, I, I think it elevates Landry quite a bit um, because he still had a lot of targets last year, but now he's not going to be facing number one coverage. Yeah, I would agree with that too. Uh, I think it's a good, I think it's obviously a good move for the Browns again, Odell Beckham Jr. And then for Jarvis Landry, he's got to love that as well. There's a lot of guys going on. I, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, you know who I would rather have Julio too. He's probably the bigger, the bigger risk. But this is a guy who just you know gets fourteen hundred yards you know every single year. And for Odell Beckham Jr., he's only done it once. Like he's he's had a couple thirteen hundreds in there as well. But he's only played sixteen games the last two years, so he's certainly concerning as well. We talked about Juju, and I was saying you know bust. I would rather have Juju than Odell Beckham Jr. I think like if there's wow. one guy that's really going to set up, and it's just because targets and volume and opportunity. That's kind of what it is. I have them side by side, but if I'm like on the draft board and there's one of the two, I'll probably lean Juju because I don't think we'll see a scenario where Odell Beckham Jr. gets like 160 targets, which what we had that debate yesterday with Juju. It seems like that's almost what his floor is. Um, so I think he's going to be fine. This is a guy who scores touchdowns. We, we, we always talk about touchdowns are hard to predict. He's got 44 touchdowns in 59 games. Like he's, what would you put his target at? I, I would say he probably gets 130. Ah, oh, you were doing so good with the projection. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you, you put him at, Brad? Yeah, no. uh, I, Brad? Maybe a little higher, 140-ish, but not 10 a game. The answer is 144. 144. Yeah, Sorry, I mean, one... that's, that's oh. fair, but... <laughs> That's probably lower than what you have for Juju, right? And Julio? Uh, Juju is higher, and Julio is actually only five higher. Five higher. He's got Juju at 151, and and to yeah. me, like that's that's an extreme floor for him if he's healthy all you know all 16 games. Well, because... again, hold on, let's go back to like a few weeks ago. For everybody out there, remember projections are inherently conservative with what you're building. Like if you look at it, Juju, despite being 151, is still tied for fifth. Antonio Brown's the only one with 160. And all those sure. numbers are pro. And it's the same thing with quarterbacks. We talked about the passing touchdowns. I don't have anybody throwing for 40 touchdowns. It, just, it doesn't happen rare. To project that to happen, to say somebody's going to get 180 targets, look, somebody is. Probably two people are going to. The touchdowns, two people, maybe even three, probably get 40, 40-plus 40 touchdowns. But 
it's when you do projections, it's like that's part of the game. And to be honest with you, when you balance it out of everybody being slightly conservative, and honestly, if you look at projections compared to a lot out there, I'm usually a little bit more aggressive than most. And, and to talk about it, it's just that's where you go down the road. It's just it's a very it's it's a game. It's 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 difficult game. And hey, you know what? Real quick, hold on, sidebar, Brad. That just made me think of something. Kudos <laughs> to Chris Meany, who finished number three last year in draft rankings, unseating me. Uh, very well done. Uh, not in, well, unseating me like I, I finished first last year, Chris. Come on. But <laughs> I know. Okay. Actually, what were you number one? Were you number one in wide receiver? Or run, I was I number one in quarterbacks. Number one in quarterbacks. So yes. there, yeah, Chris Meany, number three overall last year. I was like twenty-seven. I think Funston was like thirty-two, and Ganos was right around there too. So we had yes. four people inside the top thirty-two. Nano didn't do so hot. <laughs> Nando likes to take some shots. It's all right. Uh, he did say take some shots. He, he found you some real gems, but on the other side, you know, this, the ones that he didn't have up there kind of hurt him a lot more because it's that cutoff too. Um, but yeah, well, well, very well done, Chris. Uh, I, you. my wide receivers were terrible last year. I think I, it was because like you know, Deshaun Hamilton was too high, and I always forget that they had that. I don't want to talk about something. We could spoil something. <laughs> <laughs> my running backs are brutal, so... I mean, Let's just put it this awful. way, Chris. If I were to rank Deshaun Hamilton two spots lower, he wouldn't even count it into the formula. We'll just leave it at that. Oh, Does wow. that make sense? You, yeah. you picking up what I'm putting down? I, you smelling yes. what I'm stepping in? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm smelling it. Yes. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I just wanted to give you know, kudos to you, Chris. No, I appreciate that. 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 that was, yeah, it was, was very unexpected. Are. So yeah, it was. It was. And Frank Stanfel, friend, uh, actually texted me. He finished one spot in front of me. He's like, "Student surpasses the teacher." Like, <laughs> let's look at career all time, buddy. And then I'm number two, only behind Joe Dolan. Kudos to him as well. He's the one that finished number one. Yeah. Like, let's talk career all time before we start talking about student passing the teacher, buddy. But anyway. <laughs> All that being said, back to this, Jarvis Landry, I, you, Chris, that's I, that's one I nailed last year. Despite my wide receiver rankings being my lowest point, is I said you know I brought this up. Jarvis Landry is he's going to get this amount of targets. He's going to get this amount of receptions on the targets. He's going to get amount of yards on those targets. Like he is, you what the target is is depending on what his production is going to be. And we saw that last year with Odell Beckham coming in. Let me phrase it this way: is since we know that part of the answer. Is there a potential that Landry can push that narrative aside and become more efficient because of less attention, and therefore maybe now the production goes up on a per-target basis? Yeah, I think you said it perfectly. And Brad, too. I mean, he talked about, you know, having Odell Beckham Jr. will help Landry because how many times do we say it and we saw it? You know, Brad, we weren't doing the show last year, but Jake and I were talking about it a lot. It's just... He just couldn't handle top coverage. He just didn't seem like he belonged on the outside against top coverage. And yeah, there was a lot of inefficiency. Maybe part of that had to do with, you know, rookie quarterback as well, dealing with Baker. Um, he had some moments. Yeah, he's great. We all love him. We all think he's going to take a huge step forward this year. But there was there was some in there was some inconsistency in his game that I saw from time to time as well. So yeah, maybe maybe we drop his targets down when you have 149. Maybe he has like 120 this year. And maybe he still catches 80 balls. Like, that's what he had last year. 80 on a 149, right? So, like a mid-wide receiver three. Yeah. And and we knew that the touchdowns, yeah, mid-wide receiver three. Obviously, I think a little bit more value in PPR still. Um, But, yeah, in Miami, he had in his final year in Miami, he had those nine touchdowns. But every year it was five, four, four, and then last year four. We knew that was a little kind of out there. He was the only guy in Miami, and he was getting all the work inside the red zone. I believe in 2017 he had the second most red zone targets. That's not going to happen in Cleveland this year, especially with a guy like Chubb, a guy like Odell Beckham Jr., and Njoku, who I think will be a beast in the red zone as well. So he's, I think the touchdown production, which is, again, hard to predict, I don't think he'll get back to that nine level. Like He's more of a four or five probably guy. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, um, I, I don't know. I'm... I'm extremely bullish on this team. Uh, to me, the guy to own, though, is Baker Mayfield because there's, there's just weapons everywhere, and you can get him you know, as the, the fourth or so quarterback off the board, and, and so you can wait on quarterback and get a guy who literally has a quarterback one ceiling uh, you know, depending on how, how things fall, and he's an extremely accurate passer. He's mobile. Like he, he's got all the tools you want, and now he's got you know, a, a legit number one wide receiver um, and, and I, I, you know, the sky's the limit at this point. I mean, he's, he, he's in a lot of ways reminds me a lot of the scenario for Patrick Mahomes last year. They went out and signed Sammy Watkins and granted, you know, obviously Tyree kills ahead of him. 
but it gave him, he already had a, a big athletic tight end. He got to kind of learn for a year and then took off in his second year. That's that's Baker Mayfield. I mean, you're talking about a guy who was an extreme, you know, elite prospect coming out of out of college, and what, maybe one of the best quarterback prospects we've ever seen. And I, I I just think this is the year he just goes nuts. And and I I'm on board with with Jake. I understand why he jumped on the bandwagon because I, I think the Browns are going to be a lot of fun to watch this year. So uh, let, let me talk about Baker Mayfield real quick, and I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate with you, Brad, only because I wrote an article. It was the overvalued players. If you want to go check it out in our draft kit. And looking at quarterbacks, it's tough. It's tough to find over and undervalued players because quarterback is so deep and so flat. We've made this conversation on another show. And to your point about Mayfield is I was initially with you. I was initially like, he's my fifth quarterback. I, I don't want the big four, you know, whether you want him four or five, whatever. I don't, I don't really have a big dispute with that. It's just I was there. And then I went back and I started digging and I started looking at him last year. And if you look at Mayfield last year, if you look at the fact of the Odell Beckham edition and what we want to say for this year, from week four on, so, you know, quarterbacks with nine-plus starts, he was only QB 17 in fantasy points per game. Now, now let's – and I'm, I'm reading straight from my article because I even say, like, all right, let's take out the acclimation to the league. Let's give him those few games. Let's go further into the season when his multi-touchdown game started, when that run started, and that's basically in week seven. He's QB9 overall and QB10 in fantasy points per game. Even if you jump down three more weeks to week 10 when he had the three touchdowns against the Falcons, he's still QB10 and QB9 in fantasy points per game. So what I'm saying is, like, I don't think that his QB3 finishes out of the equation, Brad. I just think that for what we saw for his finish and how good he was, which included running the ball, and he still was only QB9 in fantasy points per game, are we asking a little bit too much to put him at five? Because in my opinion, after digging that up, you know what? I, I hate buying all the risk. And I feel like buying him at number five means he now has to be everything we hope he can be. And all you have is downside at that point. Yeah. I mean, there there's, uh, well, I think there's still some upside even, even at five, but there is some downside with it. I, I get that. And so, um, and especially when you're talking about the, the guys in front of him, like you don't expect him to just by name to leapfrog Mahomes, Watson, Luck, Rogers, maybe Matt Ryan in that category. You don't expect him to be ahead of those guys. So it, well, I'm just saying things too is Rogers actually didn't even, wasn't even in front of him last year because the, those who's banged up and hurt. So he's behind him despite being QB nine. I just want to throw that out there. For sure. You. Yeah. So, so he, I mean, the, the ceiling is there, the weapons around him are there. You know, the, the, the situation in Cleveland is trending upward for sure. That doesn't mean that, that he's guaranteed to, to just be an elite quarterback this year. We all are just projecting a, a step forward from him. And it's, I'm just saying it's, it's within, you know, within a range of outcomes where he is is literally a top one or two quarterback in the league. He also could easily be number 10, still be very fantasy relevant. Um, but but, you know, that I think that's probably his floor um, when you're if you're dropping down to the nine ten range, because I think he's definitely going to be better this year than last. Jake, you bring up a good point because we're all pro brownies. We really are. Like, it's hard to say anything negative about them. I mean, I went to Caesar's Palace to watch the <laughs> pro brownies. <laughs> I went to Caesar's Palace to watch the, the Super Bowl there, and I, I made a wager on the Browns to win the Super Bowl. And I don't think that they can win the Super Bowl, but that's just my love for the Browns. I was like, oh, I'm doing this. Like, they are definitely the team that I think is going to improve and take that next step forward. But there's also, like, in fantasy, we're also kind of set up to – all of their players, like you're kind of taking that risk, like you talked about, like Baker, like drafting him as quarterback five in the sixth round when guys like Matt Ryan are going after him. We've seen from Matt Ryan now, like consistent years, and Drew Brees, fine, take another step back, but still, like a guy that we that we're aware of. And then even like a little bit later on, like we know about the value that happens with like Jared Goff or like Philip Rivers or Kirk Cousins at the end, and then Odell Beckham Jr. as a top five wide receiver in a new system. Are we are we just giving a free pass to Freddie Kitchens after a few games that he's going to be? good like there's a lot of moving pieces a lot of new guys now they have hype for the first time expectations they got like what five primetime games like all of these things are they're gonna factor in this is a new territory for all the browns and all their players and all the fans like i'm with all you guys i love the browns i think they're gonna be great i think they have a chance to win their division make the playoffs play some playoff football i really do but there is some risk in taking these guys. Even Chubb, like Chubb is phenomenal. He's great. What's going to happen in ten weeks? Is Kareem Hunt going to come back? Like, what's how is all that going to play out? So there's still a lot of question marks. 
I won't take Baker Mayfield as the fifth quarterback, but I definitely see the upside of him being like a top three. I think he can finish ahead of Watson and Rodgers. I think he can be a top three quarterback with all those weapons, but there is some risk. Like we have to say, like we have to step back a second and, and I, at least I do and question like, Am I blindfolded with just my love for the Brownies? Am I feeling dangerous this morning? Like, well, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. that's the strategy for every single season. And that's what I put in the overvalued at the, I said it three times through there to make sure people understood. And that's not, I'm not saying people are stupid. I just, I wanted to reemphasize the point because a lot of times people see sleepers and busts or they'll see overvalued and undervalued. And just, you know, it's those catchphrases. And at some point, those players can stop being those things. Like Baker Mayfield for right now, for me, is too much of a cost because I feel like I'm buying all of his risks. Like, I don't think his ceiling is much more than a five, whether you disagree and say three on that. Like, that's, that's fine. We're not all going to agree on all players. We've seen that time and again on the show. But to understand is like, look, I'll give you a really good example for everybody out there. Everybody knows how much I love Deshaun Hamilton. Uh, I've also seen the videos of Emmanuel Sanders, and I still think, and we just got a report the other day that, you know, he's not even close, quote unquote. So, you can feel better about Hamilton. But whatever you feel about Hamilton, if you're on the same page as I am, if he starts climbing into the seventh round, I'm not even taking him. Like they, At some point, people, whether going up, and you could have the reverse too. Like If we keep crapping, like here's a good one, Chris. We talked about it what the very first time we broke down a division. Everybody keeps crapping all over LaShawn McCoy. If he gets to the 10th, 11th round, at that point, there is no risk. You're just buying all upside. So these players can always buy off-season people talking them up or down can move their own potential return on value. Yeah, we were talking about the Scott Fishbowl, and McCoy was, I think, RB55. Like, at that point, you, I mean, you take that. I mean, you just, yeah, you, what's what's the saying? Let the draft come to you, let it fall to you. Like, sometimes it's okay to take this, like, quote-unquote, safest alert. player. Yeah, whatever that <laughs> saying is, I don't even know. I just hear people say it all the time when they take, like, a mediocre player, like LaShawn McCoy. Like I a took guy him in the 13th like, yeah. round of the Scott Fishbowl. Well, there you go. There's another value. He's probably, like, RB50, mid-50s in there for you. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes the draft just falls to you. All right, so let me turn it this way, Brad. Is are uh, here, Here's how I'm going to present the question. The Bengals, because let's just talk about their team as a whole. Joe Mixon, we know. Joe Mixon's first-round conversation. Throw out Joe Mixon. Is the rest of the Bengals team potential values right now? Because nobody's drafting A.J. Green, mostly even in the second round. People are still hesitant on Tyler Boyd. We already talked about Tyler Eifert. But Andy Dalton, if you're playing in a super flex, he's somebody who's twice finished as a QB1. Are like the Bengals just a bunch of like values at this point? I, I think so, and I, I have no problem drafting. If, if A.J. Green gets to the third, I pull the trigger, and I have no problem drafting Tyler Boyd. Um, I he, he proved a lot to me last year in the games that A.J. Green was not on the field. He was still really good, and so with that being the case, I, I, you know, I snuck him off the waiver wire in a league, and he basically won me a championship. Um, you know, not, not because of how he played at the end, but just getting me to the playoffs. He, you know, he was the guy that to, to plug in there along with my other studs, um, that, that ended up, you know, carrying me for a lot of the season. So, um, I think there is a ton of value there. I, you know, you mentioned Mixon. I, I love drafting Andy Dalton in the 18th round of best balls because he's going to have some three and four touchdown games. He's, he's going to mix in some duds. There's, you know, that's Andy Dalton, but he's going to have some big games because he has weapons all around him too. And if Eifert is healthy, it just takes that much more coverages off the, off the wide receivers outside, um, opens up the middle of the field underneath. I, and I don't know, I, I'm bullish on, on the passing offense that the Bengals have. I'm not as big on Mixon solely because I think their game script is going to be brutal and and he's going to have to do a lot of pass catching to to be an elite running back um like he's being drafted so i i actually have him a little bit lower than um where he's going in adp but but on the receivers i i have no problem taking him because i could i mean i could see a lot of scenarios where dalton's throwing 40 passes a game um solely because they're playing catch up and and at that point you've got to like them all you know for forgot uh, that aj green is the top five wide receiver when healthy yeah, yeah, he's 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 elite, and it's just a matter of him being on the field. It's it's kind of like Beckham. If Beckham's on the field, he's gonna be elite. If AJ Green's on the field, he's elite, and that just makes everybody else better because they have to pay so much attention to him. 
we, we did a mock at the athletic. I think Jake, it was like a week after the season finished. And I, I believe Brandon, Marianne Lee put it together and we all had a little bit of a write up. And I had, I took AJ green, I think in the end of the third or the early fourth, I believe he was like wide receiver 15 or 16. And I looked closely into his numbers. He was actually on pace for his best season ever. Pretty much like he played nine games, but really he yeah. played eight because he didn't play that ninth one at all. So he was, he was on pace for over 90 catches, over 150 targets, over 1400 yards, which he's only done once in his career and 12 touchdowns and he had 15.1 yards per reception which had which was his second best mark since his rookie season this guy was on pace for a great season and for the first time in a couple years i want him because nobody else does and they're letting him fall so you're right the entire Bengals squad apart from joe mixon is complete value we've talked about Boyd before i like him as well i mean he he proved to me that he can be good with aj on the field and aj off the field when aj was gone in the second half boyd still put together some pretty solid numbers and this team i think is going to be pretty bad defensively they're going to be throwing the football a ton and they're going to be playing from behind a lot I remember that season, Andy Dalton, I think it was a few years ago, when Andrew Luck, everyone was on Andrew Luck. Dalton finished his QB4 ahead of Andrew Luck. So, Andy Dalton's got, like I said, he's yeah. got two, two QB1 finishes, and the, he's actually got a third that was pretty close. Again, look, nobody's on the show telling you to draft Andy Dalton, but, you know, no. like you said, best ball, super flex. Super, actually, super flex, he's, a, he's like he the is. Tom Brady, like you can get as your third quarterback, as in, yeah. you know, all right, I have a bust, but I also, in a super flex, I can still play two quarterbacks during one of my buys. Like, that's just... He's just sitting there. He's just people don't even want him at this point. So last one, and this quarterback, uh, you guys know there are two people specifically with the athletic that love Lamar Jackson. That's Emory Hunt and myself. And as much as I love him, Emory Hunt loves him even more. Like Emory Hunt, if you want to read for sleepers and busts, go to that column and read what he has to say about Lamar Jackson being a sleeper because he kind of laid into a lot of the narratives. And, you know, we talked about this a few weeks ago. And I brought up the fact to you guys that, like, it's funny how everybody already wrote and closed the book on Lamar Jackson like they did with Jared Goff after his rookie season. And to be honest with you, like, there's a lot of factors with Lamar Jackson. Like, first of all, they didn't change – they did change the offense for everybody out there, but they didn't change the philosophy. Like, so it's, uh, what's the best way to say it? Maybe you guys can help me out here. It's basically like they didn't change their playbook, but they let Lamar Jackson run more and simplified the playbook because it was Lamar Jackson. So it's not an offense designed around Lamar Jackson, which now it will be this season. Plus, He's a better passer than people give him credit for. Yes, we knew coming out of college he had issues passing. He can still develop. Jared Goff wasn't done after his rookie season. Not to mention, this dude, I know Brad said Kyler Murray's going to run for 1,000 yards. This dude could do it in 10 games. I didn't, he almost I didn't did, say he's going to. I know. I said I know. that's a, a possibility. I, okay. Uh, well, you said Let's that was clarify. a take. Rewind it. Sure. <laughs> so, all right. But – for all intents and purposes, I just go back to it. Like that was just, yeah. I, I, don't, don't try. You know what? You're already on record. Don't try and recap that. Rushing <laughs> for a thousand yards. Uh, but with Lamar Jackson, look, 700 in what a half a season of starting. Like you want to talk about somebody that can rush for a thousand? And I have Lamar Jackson, as you guys know, as QB 10, Chris. Yeah, you do. You're high on him. Um, Look, I, I, here, I here's the last thing. I'm sorry. I'll just say this, Chris, because yeah. you, you were hesitating anyway. Yeah. All Lamar Jackson has to be is a mediocre, and I do mean mediocre. He just has to be a mediocre 3,200 yards, 16 or 17 touchdowns, and if he th- rushes like he did last year or even Robert Griffin rookie level and rushes for 800-some-odd yards and five or six touchdowns, he will be a QB1 because of the rushing. He doesn't even have to be that good in the passing game. No, you're right. He doesn't. And he and he wasn't last year, and he was still finishing in those final weeks as a borderline QB1 and sometimes as like a, a sure top 10 quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, he only had six touchdowns uh, and three interceptions, but he ran for five, and to your point, yeah, just shy of 700 yards in 16 games. And this is how I, I can back that up. I get it because that's how I feel about Josh Allen. I feel the same way. Like, he had – just under 700 yards in 12 games. Like, he didn't start the entire season either. So I, I fully understand it. I feel like both of these guys, along with Kyle Kyle Murray, Kyler, these guys are going to run the football, and they're, and they're going to flirt with eight, 900, maybe 1,000 yards. Who knows? But I, I, I just – I'm a little hesitant. But the fact is, to your point where you have him as a top-10 quarterback – you don't have to draft him as one. Like, again, no. he's not going there as a top 10 quarterback. So I'm fine. And I will have some shares of Jackson and Josh Allen and maybe even Murray if people are not reaching on him because I'm, I again, 
I like to wait it out a little bit and try to find some value. These guys are going to be fine. It's going to be a safe floor. Even if, like you said, it's it's almost like he's if he's going to get 40 to 50 yards a game on the ground, which he probably will, it's almost like starting with a free touchdown. That's how I well, felt about Mitch Trubisky last year. It's a flex year. running back yeah. to start that's going to have passing numbers. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, they're bringing him some new weapons. So, I mean, he, he didn't really have anything really oh, to work with last year. If so there was anything guys. that was clear, the Ravens made it obvious they were yes, focused on fixing absolutely. the passing game. And when's the last time you said that? Has anybody ever said that? Like, they bring in Michael Crabtree, cool, great. But, like, to me, they've just kind of – they haven't really cared about offense for years. It's just been let's win on our defense – kick some field goals with Tucker uh, and move on. But now it's, it seems like this could be the start of something special. And I'm thinking like in three or four years, it could be a very decent offense. Yeah. And, and we haven't even talked about Mark Ingram and I really like him going to that was a gonna be the dominant last one. Yeah. Dominant run first offense that, that, and this guy, I mean, he is super talented in, in the sense that like he's productive. He's not a, a, an amazing athlete or anything like that, but every chance he got in New, or, in New Orleans, he was really good. There's no reason why he, he's he's going to be any worse in Baltimore. I mean, if nothing else, he's the it, kind of floating in the zone of receiver that we're comfortable seeing Lamar Lamar Jackson throw the ball in the, the short dump offs whenever things break down. Jackson a lot of times takes off running, but when he doesn't, Ingram's gonna Ingram's a, a very capable receiver. So so you know, it's not like he's a, point, a, a two down you, pony. You know, Mark Ingram reminds me of and not like you watch the two players. It's not mirror images i just what what you said was i think very interesting he's like i'm not the most athletic he's not the most explosive he's not the, he reminds me kind of like sean alexander and again a little bit different running backs it's not a mirror image but the same yeah. thing like sean yeah sean alexander was amazing for years but it wasn't he wasn't running a 4-4 he wasn't putting up 70 reception like he was just he just did everything above a level of most running backs yeah, and it, I mean Ingram right now is the is a late fourth rounder. He's the twenty third running back off the board, and he could easily be a wide receiver or running back one. That he's going behind I'm guys like you. David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs. That I don't, I don't, I don't know I don't that I want why those more guys. Don't like him. I yeah, love him. I, you know I love him. It's, you know why people don't like him? Pat Mayo hates him. He's got a pretty big <laughs> voice in the industry. You, Pat Mayo's how many got times that you've been on that? T- Man, my goodness! I I had prompt. When Worst I first, place. I love, I love Mayo. I love him to death. I think he's phenomenal, and you know this. You, you do oh, yeah, some we, stuff with him too. Pat yeah, Mayo he's, is he's he's an honorary athletic yeah. person. Yeah, he's yeah he's one of the good guys in the industry. But when I first met Mayo, and I was really pumping Ingram's tires over the over like two three years ago, not even last year, the year before that, I loved Ingram. I thought he was due for that breakout. He was my sleeper three or four years ago, and Pat just like made me feel so bad about myself. Like Mark <laughs> Ingram is the worst, but he just has that you know he, he just jokes around, and I got to know Pat, and it was fine. But I agree, and you Brad, you bring up a great point about the dump offs to Ingram because last year when Jackson was running for eight. 90 100 yards at a time you just had Gus Edwards who wasn't catching the football like Kenneth Dixon was like in and out of the system with Tech Todd Montgomery that doesn't count like Ingram could easily catch 50 balls in this offense and And still that does Chris right run the football 15 to 20 times what you just said is it clues in the defense what you might be thinking when you never use Gus Edwards in the pass catching and you never run Kenneth Dixon up the middle and now you have somebody that can do it all huh yeah the writing was on the wall when Edwards was on the field you're right you're absolutely (laughs) right I mean it's just so evident that's why like I mean that's what we see with a lot of teams but all right so a lot of love for Mark Ingram, a lot of love for that. Uh, hey, one of my sleepers in deeper drafts. You don't even have to draft him right now, but Miles Boykin. Because if Marquise Brown can't play or is slow to get on the field, like people are just dismissing Miles Boykin. Who's, again, I will say this, one of the most underrated wide receivers in this draft class. But quick hit, random fire up, like get him out of the door questions as we get out of here. Well, not questions, but just things. Uh, the first one, Chris, because you put these down here. I'm going to go to the last one first. Mm. And I'm going to Brad first on this one. Because he doesn't have them for him, but there are games that do, like MLB The Show, the Madden ratings. Like, you see Keenan Allen getting all ticked off about, I'm never playing Madden again. And all these guys, too. First of all, this is like pro football focus. It's, it is supposed to be an objective grade, but it, it's still subjective because it's still somebody evaluating you and giving you a grade based off their formula to give you said grade. Brad, do you, if you were playing like well, you were, I mean, do you really get upset about it, or like, this? Is, do you think this is like some tongue in cheek just because it's in the news? Um, I, 
I, I think there are football players who definitely got upset about it. I didn't. The biggest thing I um I, I always got upset about was when they made my my delivery was never right in any of those games. Like, and I I had such a unique delivery <laughs> that I thought like, hey, hook all the sensors up to me, and like I'll I'll be happy to go through it for you to get it right. And they never did. They always just had, I, I don't know who they had, you know, mocking my delivery, but it wasn't good. So um, to me, like if, if I was, I want my computer image guy to look like me. That's the bigger thing because that's what, you know, if they just put a random, you know, random white guy up there and they're like, hey, this is Brad Ziegler. It's not the same as like if they scan my face and all that stuff. And once they started doing that and they, my guy actually looked like me, I thought that was more cool than... Then what are my you, ratings work? Because you, you can adjust like the Nolan ratings. Ryan or something like, well, come on, right? Guys. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, MLB the show's pretty good now with you know syncing everything up. Obviously, pitching and you know batting stances and stuff like that, and, and the look as well. Uh, I just thought it was pretty comical. Like you, you brought up Keenan Allen. Like Keenan Allen seemed a little bit, not a little bit. He seemed legit ticked off with his rating. Like he was talking about his his route running, his hands, his speed. Like he was he was pretty upset. Aaron Rodgers, I think everyone was really upset with Aaron Rodgers and what was going on there, but uh, I have no problem with it. But it, it definitely these athletes, they, they certainly have an issue. And it just came out, too, the NBA ratings. NBA 2K came out yesterday, too, and there was some grumblings with some guys. Like a little yeah, I don't know if they did too, that on so. purpose to try and push it on their rug while yeah, everybody was focused have. on that. And I was like, really? You didn't want to like kind of make a thing of it? You released it at the same time? Uh, two more things before we get out. Uh, one is you put in here, Chris, Tiger wants to have a practice round with Brooks before the Open, but... Brooks Kepka doesn't practice. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you mean? Like he doesn't practice ever or like he doesn't <laughs> want to practice? Or, or is this like a thing like when, uh, what was this? Uh, Calvin Benjamin didn't want to practice with Josh Allen. Yeah, with Josh Allen. Yeah, that was funny. I, I, I think he just, he just kind of came across pretty cocky to me. And I love confidence, especially in an individual sport like golf. And Tiger was just giving Brooks a lot of props. And, you know, when he was talking to the media, he said, you know, he's been in every single majors the last four or five. He's been right there, which is pretty impressive. And he's like, hey, I tried to, you know, I text him to get a practice round in with him this week. And he didn't respond to me. And then the media asked Brooks about it. And Brooks just said, like, I don't practice. Like, I, that's why I didn't write him back. Like, when you see me on TV, that's when I'm golfing. Like that's really? Only when I golf. So I mean, good so on he, Brooks if that's the case. But hold on. He le- so first of all, he's legit. He's saying that he legitimately never practices ever. That's what so, basically what he said. Yeah, which I, mean, I, I don't buy. A, I mean, if you're a golfer, you are getting a hell lot of golf in. So I mean, yeah. But uh, that just seems weird to like. Do you never go to the the driving range? Maybe maybe that's what he's saying. Maybe he doesn't do practice rounds. That, I, I, that's probably it. Yeah. But I mean, but that still the seems stupid weekend, because these guys go on the. Yeah, they yeah. go on the course to see the layout. Like, you can get a exactly. feel for things. Like, I've never been that amazing of a golfer, and I know, like, I, I was a lot more comfortable at courses that I played a lot often because I know certain things. I know certain ways. That I, whatever. Yeah. I, I don't believe you, Brooks. I believe that you kind of, like, shunned Tiger, and you're kind of a yeah. what for doing it. And yeah, yeah. Because he <laughs> said a couple weeks ago, I think at the last major, he said, like, Tiger doesn't like he doesn't care about tiger like he doesn't like because guys people obviously tiger still has that effect and we saw it at the masters maybe, where people maybe there's some rattled. beef going there that we don't know there, about. Mu- there may be but tiger seems like he just wants to be his friend <laughs> like the old tiger would it'd be the flipped right it'd be the other way around like this new guy well i mean I, to be honest with yeah. you like to go back to the beginning of the show and the whole hating the dodgers thing like if chipper jones was like hey you want to go play a round of golf i'd be like yeah you probably don't want to because i might like Swing in your direction. I hate you, dude. <laughs> Naming your kid after the stadium. Ah, oh, that was the biggest yeah. troll job. You know what? Now that I can laugh at the Mets, that has that actually is a pretty funny troll job to name your kid. Like to actually go down the road of permanently naming your kid after a stadium that you owned. I mean, that's kind of like when she grows up. Where's your name come from? Oh, my dad used to destroy the Mets, and their stadium used to be called Shea Stadium. So. <laughs> Hey, why not? I mean, it's, I know. it's not worse than George Costanza's seven. That is true. Uh, last one, because I, I, I missed this. You're gonna have to tell me about it, Chris. So Starley Marte was hit by a pitch and refuses to take first. What? What? Yeah, I. This was interesting to me. I've I've never seen it. Maybe Brad can touch on it next week. But for for Sterling Marte, 
he got hit by a pitch and it looked like it just kind of hit him in the hands and the ump right away pointed to first like you go to first and Marte's just like no that didn't hit me and then Flaherty comes off the mound and he's telling him like yeah it did like it hit you like go to first <laughs> and Marte's having none of it like he doesn't want to go to first he'd rather take you know stay at the plate and I guess pick on Flaherty a little bit I don't know how the at bat turned out I don't know if um he ended up Oh, here it is here. He would have, he grounded into, I think he grounded out after. Wait, wait, so he legitimately didn't go to first? No, he didn't go to first. He declined to go to first I didn't know that was a choice. Base. Yeah, he just said it didn't hit him, so they didn't review it. Oh, oh wait, wait, so they're, they're just saying that it didn't hit him, and then the umpire changed his call. Like, so, oh, because we got to find out about this. We, this. Next Monday, we got to dig this one up, because I want to know, like, because if the, if it's the fact that you get hit by a pitch and you, you can actually choose not to take first base, like I'm this many days old for finding out that that's a rule. Like if that's the case, I'm not I saying know. it is. I'm just saying no. if that's the case. I I've never like again. I've never seen it before in my life. So we should bring it back up next week and and get Brad's thoughts on it because, yeah, pretty interesting. <laughs> I mean, make... I'm watching the video right now again, <laughs> just double checking. That would and... make Brad Ziegler's uh, plunking a Dietrich a lot funnier too. If Dietrich <laughs> was like, "No, I'm not going to first, and then he plunks him again. He's like, "No, I'm not going to first. <laughs> that would be that'd be classic. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm watching the video again here as we're talking, and and Clint Hurdle comes out and has a little bit of a conversation with the umpire, and then that's it. Like nothing. He just turns around, and walks back, and then Flaherty fires up another pitch to Marte. Weird. Yeah, so weird. super weird. You would think that you would just take the base. Like, nobody was on base. Like, what are you doing? Like, are you trying to hit a home run? Like, just take first, man. It's a 0-0 game halfway through the game. Actually, there was a guy on first. Take first. It, it, and then you got two guys on. Super, super strange. That is so weird. All right. Well, forget you, Dodgers. <laughs> I hate you so much. Uh, you hopefully don't hate us and hope to like us enough. Follow Chris Meany at Chris Meany, Brad Ziegler at Brad Ziegler. I'm at All In Kid. And we will be back on Monday uh, to find out what, what the heck's going on with this. And then what is Monday? The AFC South. So we'll be touching on that and some more draft strategy as we get close to August, Chris. The time is coming. So make sure you guys check it out. And we'll talk to you next week.